Well, today we are uh, starting a new sermon series that will most likely last us throughout um, really most of the fall, I would say, uh, likely extending into mid-December. And the series is simply called Make a Difference. And last week we saw uh, the encouragement in Scripture to number our days and that as we do that, we would gain a heart of wisdom and that this would cause us to make the most of our time, that we would give ourselves to making a difference in the world, in our families, uh, with our friends, and for the cause of Christ with the precious time that God has given us. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to consider various ways that we can go about making a difference, what we can do to make a difference, and then how we can uh, do it. And so I hope that you will make a point of inviting people to church throughout this series. Uh, You know, invitations extended to friends and family members uh, are highly effective. And it really is one of the easiest ways to engage in evangelism. And so I hope you'll join us in uh, inviting folks to church throughout this series. Uh, So we're kicking off the series with a sermon that I've simply titled, Making a Difference Through Kindness. Making a Difference Through Kindness. Kindness is generally regarded, I think most of us uh, sort of define this in our minds as uh, friendliness, um, a helpful act, uh, being considerate uh, of others, just basic human uh, kindness. And these things, as simple as they are, can make a real difference in the world. They really can. Now, I have to give a few disclaimers today as we start into this discussion of Kindness. When you approach a topic like kindness, there is a danger that people are going to apply the message in a lot of wrong ways. And so I just need to provide a few disclaimers. First of all, if you are here today in the service and you're under 18, you need to know that your parents have not necessarily failed at kindness if they have grounded you this week. They have not even necessarily failed at kindness if they raised their voice to you this week. In interpersonal relationships, a person has not necessarily failed at kindness because they became impassioned during a disagreement. A Christian employer who has had to call an employee, as they say, on the carpet, or has had to speak rather forcefully to get the attention of a of an employee not doing their job, that employer has not necessarily failed at kindness. Sometimes righteous anger is appropriate. And sometimes righteous anger comes out in something other than a whisper. Thank you, Adele. Uh, Jesus, Jesus himself, as you may have noticed in Scripture, turned over some tables and forcefully drove people out of the temple. And I don't think Jesus was a failure at kindness. So what we have to do when we approach a topic like this is be careful that we don't use it to mentally bludgeon someone else that has reacted to us in some impassioned way that we didn't like. They might have been unkind, but none of the things that I've mentioned in and of themselves mean that a person has failed at kindness. So here's what's really at the heart 
uh, of this, uh, this disclaimer that we need to look at how we can apply the message to ourselves. So, so as we go into this series, uh, I need to and you need to say, how am I personally doing with these things? On this specific topic, uh, absolutely we need to do this. How am I personally doing with kindness? Not so much, I know 17 people that really need to hear this. That's, that's really not the way that we should approach uh, this topic. So kindness, simple kindness, can make a huge difference in the world. It makes a huge difference for individuals who are on the receiving end of it. And when enough people start practicing kindness, marriages, whole families, businesses, schools, churches, towns, and any other organization of people that you can possibly think of, they can be changed when enough people start practicing kindness. We've all been on the receiving end of kindness, and we've all been on the receiving end of something other than kindness, and we know the difference that it can make in our lives. We have all extended kindness to others, and we have all acted in an unkind manner toward others, and we know the difference that it can make. When you encounter someone in a store or at school or at work that is unkind, it has a tendency, if you're not extremely resilient, it has a tendency to impact us uh, greatly. This summer, my uh, family and I spent a few days in Colorado with Michelle's brother and his family, and their neighborhood has a three-mile circle that I uh, walked most days uh, while we were there. Really haven't walked a day since then, but while we were there, I, uh, I walked the circle. And they had a walking and bike lane. And, and one day I was walking and I saw uh, another man out walking and, and he was approaching me. So we were approaching each other on the same side of the road in this walking lane. And as we got closer and closer, I started making, you know, the appropriate glances to see when we were going to connect and wave and say hi and all of those things. And I noticed that no matter how close we got, he was not making any of these glances in my direction. So we kept getting closer and closer, and I'm getting nervous because he is violating basic rules of human kindness and not bothering to, to look at me. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? And so I decided, well... He's not looking at me, but I'm still going still to be friendly. So as we are just about ready to run into each other, I mean, we're going to pass within six inches of each other. I both wave, which he was on the, this side, and I was, so I'm waving. So basically my hand is like sort of crossing in his line of vision. And I say, good morning. No response. It was as if I did not exist. Now, let me just say that the rest of my walk was impacted by that man's lack of courtesy. Probably shouldn't have been, but it was. His failure at simple friendliness, I spent the rest of my walk lamenting the sad state of civility and the generally pathetic state of people these days. The very next day, I was walking the same circle, and I came upon a house where there was a young boy, I would guess to be 11 or 12, and he was out mowing in his yard, 
and he looked like Ralphie from A Christmas Story. That, that's the boy's name in that, right, Ralphie? Looked like Ralphie. He was mowing, and I was getting up closer to his house, and I, I realized that as I walked in front of his house, he was mowing a part of his yard where he was partially obscured behind some landscaping. And because of that, and because I know that people have discomfort with unfamiliar men walking in their neighborhood, I decided that there was no need for me to engage with this boy in any way. So I just, I just kept, uh, kept walking. I was about six steps past the edge of his property. I was already past where he was. He was probably 15 or 20 feet into his yard. I was already past where he was. And all of a sudden, I hear this 11 or 12-year-old boy call out in the most joyful voice you've ever heard, Good morning, sir! After I picked myself up off of the concrete, I turned around and he was looking at me with the biggest smile, the friendliest face you have ever seen. I smiled, I waved, and I gave him a friendly hello. And the rest of my walk was much different than the walk the day before. I was so impressed by this boy's friendliness, his kindness in offering a warm and joyful hello, that my confidence in mankind was restored a bit. There was a little bit of a spring in my step. My spirit lightened as I marveled at the friendliness, the kindness of this 11 or 12-year-old boy. This week, I got on an elevator at OSU Medical Center. And there was a young lady on the elevator. She was an employee, and she had her card of medical supplies. And as I got on the elevator, it was just her and I. And that's, you know, she and I, that's usually kind of awkward. And so uh, neither one of us uh, said a word to each other. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but though I speak publicly every week, I'm actually fairly introverted, um, especially when I'm out about, uh, you know, people I don't know. And so in such situations, I often just keep to myself. As I was standing there, I thought, you know, this is just so ridiculous. We're two human beings standing in this elevator together. We ought to engage and be kind to one another. And so I said, you know what? This is all happening in my head. I wasn't talking to myself. I said, you know what? Uh, (laughs) I'll take the initiative. I'll take the initiative. So all I did was smile at her. And the most pleasant voice I have, I said, hi, how are you today? And I watched her countenance brighten. You could just see it happen in front of you. We arrived at the floor that she needed to get off on before mine. And as she exited, this young lady who previously was content to not speak, uh, smiled and very joyfully wished me a great day. Simple kindness, friendliness can make a difference. There are other stories I could tell you where I haven't been kind, uh, usually having to do with poor service from a company I'm giving money to. But I don't like those stories, and they serve no purpose, so I'm not going to tell you any of them. (laughs) Proverbs 12.25 says this, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word 
cheers him up. Think about what that is saying. Think about it. The power of a kind word. I mean, we have to say that in a battle between an anxious heart and a kind word, you'd expect the anxious heart to prevail, wouldn't you? I mean, if this is a UFC match, and one person in the octagon is anxious heart, and the other person is kind word, and you were a betting person, you'd put your money on anxious heart. But the power of kindness is such that it can overcome the power of an anxious heart. You've seen this happen. I've seen it happen. A a simple kindness of some kind lifts your spirit, restores some joy. Like it did for me, walking that circle restored a little bit of faith in the basic... uh, It just restored a little bit of faith in, in mankind. We can make a difference in the lives of individuals through kindness. We can make a difference in the world through kindness. We can make a difference at school through kindness. We can make a difference when we're in a store through kindness. We can make a difference at the restaurant through kindness. We can make a difference in the church through kindness. We can make a difference in the world through something as simple as kindness. It is simple, but it is powerful. Followers of Christ are called to kindness. In 1 Thessalonians 5.15. This verse is set within several verses that are part of the final instructions of Paul's writing in this particular book of the Bible. So what I want to do is read 1 Thessalonians 5.15 through 18 and verse 23. And then we'll look closer at these verses. So here's what they say. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then down to 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of of our Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 15 again, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. So we see in this verse, first of all, that we're called to kindness, and then we notice who we're called to be kind to. We're first told to be kind to each other, simply meaning our brothers and sisters in Christ. But then we're told that not only does kindness extend to one another, but also to everyone else. This means we're to be kind to those who are not followers of Christ, those who are far from God. So we're kind to each other, we're kind to everyone else, and this tells us what? There's nobody that's outside the scope of who we're to be kind to. We're to be kind to everyone. Have you noticed that it's easier to be kind to some people than other people? Have you noticed that? It it, it really is. But the calling is to be kind to everyone. To everyone. 
And the text lets us know this is especially important in the context of being wronged by another person. We shouldn't repay wrong with wrong, but should be kind to everyone. Now, here's something I appreciate uh, in this uh, text. The apostle seems to understand what a challenge this is. Did you pay attention to, to how he worded this? He says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Try. Try. It, it, see, it almost seems as though the apostle is acknowledging that this is so challenging that you get some level of credit for just trying. Do you ever feel that way? I know I didn't completely succeed, but I tried. Well, I do think there's something there about him acknowledging uh, the difficulty of this, but I actually think it's probably more of a challenge than it is a loophole. Because I think often we don't really try when it comes to kindness. And so what I think the apostle is probably doing is he's emphasizing that there is never a situation where we can let ourselves off the hook for failing to be kind. In every circumstance, even when we have been wronged, we must exercise the needed restraint, the needed effort to be kind. Kindness makes a difference. We are called to kindness. But how can we be kind? If you desire to be uh, more of a kind person than you are and admit that it's a struggle for you, and I think it's a struggle for all of us, at least at times, how can we grow in kindness? Well, I think we find some important points here in 1 Thessalonians on how we can be kind even when we're tempted towards something else. Verses 16 through 18 say, Be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be joyful always. Well, there's an easy one. I mean, we want to respond to this and say, if I could do that, I could be kind. That's harder than being kind. So how is that supposed to help me? Well, we need to note, first of all, that this isn't a request, it's a command. Which means that being joyful must be something other than a feeling. It must be a choice that we make. Gary Demarest says this, There is a perspective on life in Jesus Christ that enables us to rejoice always, even when we are unhappy. And this is something we can choose to do, whatever the tone of our feelings. It really becomes a matter of obedience. We can grow in kindness when moment by moment, day by day, we choose to be joyful. The basis of joy in our lives is the person of Jesus Christ. As Jesus becomes all that he should be to us, then he becomes our joy. An absence of joy, and I I say this knowing I need to receive this message. An absence of joy 
is an indication that Jesus is not all that he should be to us. That's what an absence of joy is. So we need more of Jesus in our lives and we'll grow in kindness. Pray continually is the next command. Through constant communication with God, Jesus does become greater in our lives. In prayer, the cares of life are placed in their proper perspective. They, uh, it frees us from anxieties and frustrations and inner turmoils that cause us to be unkind. Prayer affects us in this way. In prayer, we tap into the power of God and we are able to do things that we can't do in our own power, things like being kind. We can make a difference through kindness. We can grow in kindness. We can be kind when we rejoice always, when we pray continually, and when we give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A heart that is filled with gratitude will produce kindness. So often when I struggle with being kind, it is because I have allowed myself to dwell on negative things. I have allowed myself to focus on difficulties that I wish didn't exist. But when I leave that unproductive effort behind, And when I begin to count my blessings, and when I begin to recount all the ways that God has been good to me, my heart changes. My heart changes. And kindness comes pretty easy. These three things, be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, have been called the standing orders of the church. They are expected of those who call Christ Savior and Lord. And when we obey these orders, we grow in kindness and we can make a difference in the world. Verse 23 gives us insight on how we can grow in kindness as well. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Growing in kindness is part of sanctification. As we willingly lay our lives on on God's potter's wheel, submit to his molding and his shaping of our lives, he will work into us more and more kindness. I think it notable that Paul writes, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. When we fail at kindness, I think it is almost always because we are lacking in peace. May we know Jesus so closely that we live in the peace that he provides. And having that peace, may we be kind. And finally, Proverbs eleven seventeen gives us motivation toward kindness. It says this, A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself. Not only does our kindness benefit others, Not only does it make a difference for others, but when we are kind, we benefit ourselves. A kind man benefits himself. You want to make a difference in the world. You want to impact the world in a positive way. You want to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Be kind. Be kind. Acts of kindness are simple things. 
They don't take a lot of effort. It's basic friendliness, being courteous, being considerate. But no matter how simple, how small they are, they make a big difference in people's lives. They can actually overcome an anxious heart. Cheer up a worried and discouraged person. That makes kindness a very powerful thing. Here are some simple ways that we can go about showing kindness that will make a big difference in people's lives. They're small things. We too easily dismiss them because they're small things, but they can make a big difference. Be the person who initiates the friendly hello as you go about your daily business. When you're in the store, when you're with coworkers, when you're walking in the neighborhood, wherever you are, I am absolutely amazed at the lack of this that I see in public anymore. It's like all of us have our heads down and we refuse to engage anybody around us. Don't be like that. Be the initiator. Don't stand stone-faced and silent as the cashier at the grocery store processes your purchase. Say hi. Ask how her day is going. Ask how his day is going. You're not going to confuse them. They're just running barcodes over a scanner. You can say hi to them. Here's one. Men. Men. Hold the door for women. Now, I know you're scared, men. I I know you're afraid women don't like this anymore. But here's my experience. Most women appreciate it when you hold the door for them. One out of every 2,700 times you hold the door, you will come in contact with a radical feminist who gets offended. (laughs) But that will almost never happen, so hold the door. Women. And I know it's dangerous to give women advice. And I know most of you don't need this encouragement, but a few of you might, so I'm going to just boldly move forward. When a man holds the door for you, kindly say thanks. I want to assure you that a man holding a door for you does not mean he's a creeper. He is not necessarily hitting on you. Because he holds the door, he might just be being friendly. So say thanks. Don't assume he's... Yeah, I'll leave it. Go with that. All right. Write thank you notes. And I say this realizing that, that I'm pretty bad at this sometimes. So if I ever should have sent you a thank you note and I didn't, I am sincerely sorry. But write thank you notes. Send notes of encouragement to people. Get, get well cards, congratulations cards, thinking of you cards. Offer some change to somebody in the checkout line who has come up short. Let the driver on the freeway merge in front of you. Listen, every attempt to merge in front of you is not a challenge to a fight or an assault on your dignity. It really isn't. Some of them are, but most of them uh, are not. (laughs) Leave good tips for your server when eating out. Smile 
Compliment good service. Here's one that's in keeping with the context of verse 15 and really deserves its own sermon. Quickly forgive when you've been wronged and really move on from it. Be welcoming to visitors. Uh, Invite someone new to church to attend home group with you or to go to a church event with you. Host a neighbor for a cookout even if they're not your kind of people. Compliment your neighbor on a well-kept yard. And here's one. Introduce people who don't know each other to each other. At work, at the gym, at church. We could go on and on with examples of these things. But I think you get the idea. These are simple things. But simple acts of kindness can make a big difference in people's lives. We are commanded to be kind, and we can be kind when we choose to be joyful, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, when we submit to God's potter's wheel, and when we realize that kindness benefits everyone around us, but it also benefits us. And here's one final thought that I want to share. Romans 2.4 tells us, that it is the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It's the kindness of God. Shouldn't we desire to live our lives in such a way that God would be able to use our kindness to reveal his kindness? After all, we understand ourselves to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world today. A simple act of kindness can be used by God to lead someone to him. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Let's make a difference in the world through kindness. Why don't you stand?